Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, this is our good news segment. I want to thank you for tuning us in. Um, I have a very special guest joining me here today. Uh, Shido Parma is joining me here today as board certified genetic counselor, vice president of medical affairs of Na- at Natera. Now, let's talk about what this is. Non-invasive. Anytime I say the word non-invasive, actually, I guess that's two words, non-invasive. I love having conversations with people that have figured that out. Why? Because we're looking at being on the front edge edge of science, front edge of technology, to the point where we're starting to look at alternatives that are so powerful and put people at ease. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me today. So then if I take non-invasive prenatal testing and I put that all together, that's even like more good news, right? Absolutely. That's what we call (laughs) NIPT. Yes. (laughs) The reason I say this is because I'm doing more interviews now where non-invasive comes in front of it. And I got to tell you, I can go a couple of years back and that was not the case. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, Let's NIPT. That's what we're talking about. But let's talk about what that is. And, and my question to you goes like this, what it is, but what have we done to change the landscape of how we do this testing? You want to take it from there? Sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, NIPT stands for non-invasive prenatal test, and it's a screening test that can help identify during pregnancy if there is a risk for certain genetic conditions. We call them chromosome abnormalities. Uh, Examples include trisomy 13, trisomy 18, or Down syndrome, um, although there are others. And NIPTs are ordered by a physician and can be done as early as nine weeks in the pregnancy. It's a simple blood test, so it poses essentially no risk, right, to the patient or to the baby. And, you know, as you mentioned, it provides a lot of reassurance. So, you know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists recommend that NIPT be offered to all pregnant patients, regardless of their age or other risk factors. And this is because NIPT is, you know, has is one of the most accurate screening tests that has become available. Um, And so, you know, anyone who's pregnant that wants to get more information about their pregnancy and like you said, to get reassurance um, has this option to do this screening test. So as we think about this, I mean, I I wanted to ask you for a minute about your journey here. Um, When I speak to people that are so dedicated and committed, there's usually a story behind it. 
And the story is usually something that stems from your origins of passion. See, I love that. Mm-hmm. What is it that put you in this direction and has got you all fired up? I mean, what touched your heart to really make this more than just a career for you? Yeah, you know, um, that's, that's such a great question. I have been interested in genetics since I was in high school, and I always thought I'm going to go on and be a scientist and get a PhD in genetics. And I realized really quickly um, when I was in college that, you know, bench work was not for me. (laughs) Um, I really loved teaching. I really love educating. I really um, love helping people. And so genetic counseling is an amazing career because it allows me, I mean, I spent 11 years uh, before I came to Natera um, talking to patients, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about these different testing options. And um, it's so nice to be a part of people's, you know, life journeys, you know, um, yeah. and that's, that's really what I love about being a genetic counselor. I love it. You know, uh, can, can you please, um, can you please comment on this for me, Sheeta? But one of the things that I've been really struck by over time, especially with my friends and seeing them get diagnosis or seeing things, you know, where they just don't know the right questions to ask. I've seen more people sit in front of a doctor and just totally freeze up. I want to ask you, can you coach our listeners as to what they should do to get ready? What type of questions, what kind type of counseling should they get? Because you see, for me, it's the difference between asking for something that would seriously help you and being too afraid to ask. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, having information is is really powerful, but it, it to your point, it's really important to have the discussion before you go through with testing so you know exactly what to expect, yeah. right, as you go forward, as opposed to just like getting testing and then finding out on the back end what that meant for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, we encourage you to talk to your healthcare provider, right? Anyone that's interested in, in prenatal testing or screening should talk to their healthcare provider and you want to ask, you know, what is it in your family and medical history that would you is important to know with regard to risks to the pregnancy? For example, uh, maternal age is an important risk factor. So having that discussion with your doctor about what your actual risks are or with a genetic counselor. And then you want to ask about what the difference is between screening tests like NIPT and diagnostic tests. And an example of a diagnostic test would be like amniocentesis. And so talking about the differences between those and the risks and benefits of both. And then if you choose to have a non-invasive prenatal test, you want to talk upfront about what does it mean when I get my results? What does a high risk result mean? Because, uh, or what does a low risk result mean? Right. And if you get a high risk result, it means you're going to be offered a diagnostic test, but have understanding that ahead of time. Um, so basically kind of going through all your options and making sure that you understand what's available so that you can make the best decision for yourself. I love this because, you know, I'm a fan of reaching out to people like you all and get some counseling and advice and coaching. I really do believe that because, you know, where you are is you're in the middle of a situation with yourself, your body, and you don't know who to go to or what to ask. And there's always a barrage of friends that want to tell you what to do, right? You know that. Yep. Um, (laughs) But I want to make sure people do know how they find out more about what we're talking about, because you and I are are not just chatting. There's actually a place people can go, a website where they can find more information, right? 
Yes. So certainly, of course, you can always talk to your, you know, OBGYN or your nurse midwife, but for more information about Natera's panorama test, which is um, Natera's NIPT, as well as, you know, genetic education services, you can visit www.natera.com and that's spelled N-A-T-E-R-A.com. You know, I want to ask you these last couple of questions because I love the advancement in science and where, you know, where we're going. Um, You know, for example, I just got two total knee replacements last year, and it was more like something from uh, Star Trek, like (laughs) the, the, the enhancements in science and technology. I'm not kidding. It's just like blew me away. And, you know, I'm pretty informed and I didn't know that they Mm -hmm. had been that advanced in what they do. What are you seeing from where you sit about this? And what are you seeing if you were to look out? What excites you most about being able to share this message with people? I think what's really exciting about this is, you know, screening for genetic conditions Mm -hmm. has been around for 40 years. Yes. Um, Right. It's been around. And uh, but now with NIPT. Yeah, it's the most accurate screening test. Now it's not a diagnostic test. It never will be, but it has, it is the most accurate screening test that's available. So, you know, you have less chance of getting, you know, a false positive or a false negative. Mm -hmm. Um, Fewer people are being referred to do these in more invasive tests. So it's really providing that reassurance to more pregnant patients than we ever had before. And it's easy. It's a blood test. And so that's, I think, you know, being able to do that um, at your doctor's office or even from home, right. If your doctor orders it for you, like that's, I think that's really the benefit. You know, I want to talk about this last thing before you go. Um, One of the things I've always found is, especially in being in support of my friends and family is that even after you get your results back, it's like, now what? It's one of the most important aspects, I think, of pre-anything, pre-care, preventive care. I don't care what you call it. But in this case, you are providing a forum for people because it answers the question, now what? Exactly. It does. And, you know, information is is power. It's the option to be prepared. You know, um, if you get a reassuring news, then it's kind of like, okay, well, good. I feel reassured. And if there is something that, you know, is at higher risk and you go on to the diagnostic testing, you have the option to do that. And, you know, I've seen a lot of patients, you know, over my career who having this information and being able to be prepared during the pregnancy and being prepared at the time of birth, delivering at the right hospital to make sure the right specialists are there. I mean, just having that information, um, is life-changing, right? It's just, it, it really is empowering. So thank you for everything you're doing. And again, I would love for you to tell people again, how they find out more about this. And then last question, I, you know, I'd love to know your personal message. I'd really like to know what you'd like to leave us with today. Yeah. So uh, the, you can get more information at www.natera.com and that's spelled N-A-T-E-R-A. And as a final message, I think it's really important to discuss with your healthcare provider all your genetic testing and screening options so that Mm. you can be informed during your pregnancy and get the amount of information that's right for you. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. You know what? The art of asking questions is probably one of the most important skills we can learn to be in the forefront of proactive care. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Let's take a short break, everybody. Again, you've got the website, pay it forward. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, Dr. Pat. (laughs) Thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you. This is one of the scariest things that happens for for moms. It can be. It is. But thank you. Mm Because what you're doing, you're you're reducing stress, you're reducing worry, and you're really saying to everybody, look, we have a way to do it. Thank you all for doing that. Well, thank you so much for letting me spread the word. You bet. to the Sacred Attunement Show with Asher Countryman, unlocking the power of mind, body, soul abundance. Tune in every first and third Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join Asher as she guides you to sacred attunement. Align your mindset and your actions to master your life's purpose. Discover more at SacredAttunement.com. Tune into the Dr. Diane Show, where we explore revolutionary expansion of mind, body, and soul every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior, perspective shifter, and unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on for another transformation. Great news segment, Innovations. Innovations in cardiac care. Now, did you know that the innovations in cardiac care can save and improve the lives of children with heart disease worldwide? You know, growing up, I lost an uncle who struggled most of his life with heart disease. But what today, if we knew and understood what the possibilities of innovations, creativity, and science are? One in every 120 babies in the U.S. is born with heart disease. And Dr. Jonathan Chen is joining me here today, Chief of Cardiothoracic Surgery at Cardiac Center at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And we are about to shed some light on the amazing world of innovation in cardiac care. Dr. Chen, thank you for joining me here today. Sure, happy to be here. You know, um, I think about this because I think about my um, my family and I think about, you know, how little we used to know um, not too long ago. And then I think about doing an interview with you today and having a conversation. Number one, the state of the union in terms of children with heart disease. But then even more importantly, what are the innovations and what have we learned? What what are what or what is rather? What is sort of the state of things and what do people not know about children with heart disease? Uh, well, you know, I, I think uh, 
by the state of things, if you mean how far have we come, you know, we've certainly come a tremendous way in the last even 10 years. Uh, and, that, and by that, I mean in our understanding of the genetics of, the, of some of the congenital heart disease and probably as important um, with all these great imaging modalities and technology that's helped us um, better care for these kids and also um, have sort of new advances and new approaches to um, treating them. I think sort of globally, when you think about how many kids who have procedures, either catheter-based or surgery as newborns or infants, about 85% of those kids will go on to live on to adulthood, which is a, is a tremendous advance when you look at the arc of our, of our field in general. So, you know, the future is bright in that sense. And in fact, there are more adults alive today with repaired and unrepaired congenital heart disease than there are children with congenital heart disease, which is a, a, a relatively new tipping of the scales. And it's a, it's a, you know, a, um, uh, the result of just great care, right? That every, that these kids are living on. And, you know, so that brings up a new challenge for us also, which is how do you care, how do we care effectively for, for adults with congenital heart disease? Because they need specialists both in the congenital heart side and then also in the adult medicine side, because uh, just because you have congenital heart disease does not mean that you can't get cancer or get pregnant or smoke or all these other things that adults do. Um, and so that's a whole new challenge for us, but a, but a welcome one. Yeah. And thank you for saying that, because you're absolutely right. You know, just because, you know, you have gotten, um, you know, your let's just say dose of congenital heart disease, it doesn't mean you're immune to other things. So it is quite a multi-layered, it really is a multi-layered situation to really look at. I want to ask you this question. I think most of the time people are baffled by not being able um, to detect, to diagnose, you know, even as an individual, uh, whether you're a parent of a child or you're an adult and you see somebody with some symptoms you don't understand. Can you give us an update on what, what do people look for when we're talking about heart defects? And then what does the science do to help us diagnose and treat? Um, broad questions. You know, I think um, certainly today, um, a lot of the complex congenital heart disease is being diagnosed prenatally. So while the baby is in the womb, and that has been a huge advance. And, you know, by about 20 weeks gestation, we have a pretty accurate idea of what kids will be born with. So that has changed the game for us in terms of preparation, both for the parents to understand what, what the plans will be, and also for us as clinicians to sort of orchestrate the ballet that is the delivery uh, for some of these kids. Uh, symptoms as you grow older uh, depend a lot on the specific kind of heart disease you have. So in some instances, it can be exercise intolerance or shortness of breath. You get tired more frequently. Um, and in uh, other instances, you can get lightheaded or have arrhythmias, and it really kind of depends on the heart disease. Uh, the, the sort of mainstay of diagnosis is to see a cardiologist. And so for children, that means a pediatric cardiologist, so that's a, a heart doctor specializing for children. And an adult, obviously, that's an adult cardiologist. And they will then uh, you know, perform the battery of tests that, that help us get to the root of the problem. Now, Mind you, some of these symptoms are very commonplace, right? Shortness of breath can be from any number of different things. So it may not be heart disease, even though the symptom uh, could make you think that it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to ask you this question. I know that you're in this field, obviously, because this is a passion for you and a purpose for you. When you think about, you know, where we were 10 years ago, where we are today, and you take a sneak peek out to the future, I want to ask you, what are you most excited about with innovations in this area? 
Well, I'm excited about, and I will say I'm excited about a lot of things. Um, I will say that um, there are several things. One is, is that I think we're getting each year incrementally closer to understanding the relationship between genes and one's genetic profile and heart disease. And as you know, there's been this push over the last 10 years for the, uh, you know, the, the human genome project has gotten us closer. And nowadays, it's not uncommon for us to get a, a whole genome sequence on a baby. And that as we start to collect that library of information, we'll know better in the future to be able to say, here's an individual, they have this many uh, genetic abnormalities. We think that it's going to be heart disease and this and this and this, and that this child should have this particular approach, as opposed to this other child who has some of the same cardiac problems, but not these other problems genetically. And that sort of personalization of the medicine is very exciting. Uh, because I think it it's, um, it speaks to the way technology interfaces with medicine. In our field, we have a lot of technology advances that help us uh, for surgeons. It can be um, you know mechanical assist devices that are getting smaller for children or certain kinds of valves. Uh, for the catheter-based guys, they have catheter-based valves, sort of like what Mick Jagger got. You know, he got a transcatheter aortic valve a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's you know the. The one of the biggest excitements for me in the last few years has been the incredible um, advance in terms of over time of um, of imaging. So CAT scans and MRIs now we can import those images into the virtual reality domain. So we can actually climb into the heart in virtual reality. Imagine the sort of connections that we need to make to make the blood flow the right way, and that takes out a lot of the not the guesswork exactly, but the game day decisions in the operating room. We, we can pre-plan a lot of these operations. And with the valve repairs, we can actually trial some of the valve repairs and see which ones are the most effective. And that is going to be incredible. If that, if that technology advances as quickly in the next 10 years as it has in the last three, uh, it's going to be a totally different field for us in, in a good way. Um, you know, look, I'm really, first of all, I'm very grateful for you and the incredible team. And I am talking about a team. I'm talking about a team of people uh, right there at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's a team of people. You perform, you know, what, close to a thousand pediatric heart surgeries a year. You know, you're right there on the pulse of things. You see it every day, don't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's a busy place. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's, I think, incumbent to us in our field is, when we gather, you know, heart disease in children is, is the most common heart defect, you know, one in roughly 1% of the population. But these really complicated, uh, complex um, uh, heart problems are relatively rare. And so it's kind of incumbent upon us in these big centers and also in, in all the other small centers as well to uh, gather together our information so we can have that pattern recognition because, you know, an infrequent diagnosis, if you gather together the entire country's experience, becomes something that's a little bit more common. And then we can start to see the patterns about how we treat these kids best. And so that's really, our, I think, one of our, our um, you know, uh, demands for the future. I want to thank you so much. I have one last question. How do people find out, first of all, uh, more information about this? And then I'd love to know your personal message, what you'd like to leave us all with today. Uh, the easiest way to find information is probably at our homepage, or at least a good place to start. So that's heart.chop.edu. So heart.chop.edu. And that has links to other, um, you know, websites, and it also has a lot of information on how to contact us if people would like to talk to us directly. And, uh, you know, I think if I had a message for everyone, this being Heart Month, and, um, you know, in particular in the context of the COVID crisis and how 
uh, you know, um, a complicated that has been for all of us, I think, across, you know, to try to refocus is that, you know, heart disease is challenging. It's um, exciting for us how many advances are being made. The future is really bright. I think um, for those who have had loved ones with heart disease and those who may have loved ones in the future who have heart disease, um, it's important to get, you know, connected with the communities of families who can help support you and also to the right places uh, in terms of the medical um, uh, community that can, can help uh, guide the therapies. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing these interviews. Thank you so much for caring. Sure. Happy to do so. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. life that doesn't involve constant burnout, stress, and overwhelm? This is what Sacred Attunement is all about. Asher Countryman is your stress management wellness coach and the creator of Unlock Your Personal Power. Are you ready to engage in a vibrant, happy, healthy lifestyle? Start your journey now by booking a complimentary Unlock Your Power Clarity Call with Asher at sacredattunement.com. Are you looking to gain wisdom and commit to discovering your best self? What does success mean to you? With authenticity, integrity, and compassion, Mita Johnson helps guide you in working toward your unique vision of success. Mita is a spirit-based intuition lead and success coach. Work with Mita to uncover your unique life purpose. Schedule a free discovery call with Mita at personalwisdomcoachingnow.com. Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune in to The Alley Effect with Alison Blythe, authentically living life your way. Every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Alison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. For more about Alison, visit Alison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E dot com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Introducing the Brilliant Black Man Show with Melissa Johnson. Tune in as Melissa shares the stories of successful black men across the country. 
This show is designed to change the narrative of how black men are portrayed in the world. The show will highlight their brilliance and how they are making a difference in their family, community, boardroom, and the world. For more information on the show, visit wildministriesllc.com. Welcome to the Becoming You Show with me, your host, Leah Rowling. Do you believe you are capable of choosing your future? Sometimes it takes just one person to believe in you, or you to believe in yourself. If you find yourself continuing to say, someday I will take better care of myself, only to continue living the same day over and over and over again, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I am your biggest cheerleader, inspiring you to become you, on purpose and with intention. Are you ready to create a life you love? I'm excited to share with you some big ideas that you can use today to inspire, impact, and influence your life and everyone in it. The Becoming You Show starts now. I hope that you are having just an awesome day. Um, I hope you had a great week. I want to ask, what were your wins, right, this week? I hope you are taking the time to celebrate them. Um, What did you maybe wish that you got done that maybe you didn't? And why not? Not in judgment, but rather in curiosity, right? I like to look back at my week and check for ways in which maybe I was distracted, ways in which I wasn't as disciplined, and ask, why? Your planner is a really easy tool to decipher this wisdom, right? Did I prioritize what mattered? Did I plan it? Meaning, did I allocate it to my week? This act of planning creates an intentionality that I see missing from so many people's lives. It is so easy to plow through an entire week without really reflecting on, did I work towards my life's work or was I busy doing busy work. Without celebration, without intention, without consciousness, we will continue to do the same thing we've always done. If we want to create, right, a life that we're obsessed with, then we have to be conscious of our complacency in it, right? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Where are we going through the motions? Where are we not being mindful? And where are we not bringing meaning to the day, to the week, to the month, right? What if we realized, truly realized, right? That life did not happen to us, rather we created it, right? What do you want to create? What results do you want in your life? And if you don't have what you want, why? Have you ever wondered why it is that you know what you want. You even know how to get what you want. And for whatever reason, you don't. All of my work, all of my research has been truly to solve for this reason. I've spent, gosh, 20 years in publication, publishing, and the education space. But along the way, I always coached in some capacity. I was um, a personal trainer. I was a marathon coach. I was a triathlete coach, right? And this is the question 
that kept me up at night. Why do we not do what we know? I, I offered my clients the same blueprint, right? The exact same step-by-step guide, right? To get them to the start line and get them to the finish line. And 50% of the time, I'd have clients that made it successfully, right? To the finish line. But the other 50% of the time wouldn't make it to the start line, right? Or they might make it to the start line, but they never finished. And, and this was just maddening to me, right? I wanted to understand why. Why it is that they knew exactly, right, what to do step by step. And yet they didn't either start or they couldn't finish strong, right? So this 50% was unacceptable to me. And so I, I decided to go back to school and learn everything that I could possibly learn about human behavior and mindsets and uh, quantum uh, science and neuroscience and the psyche of our humanness, right? My quest was to answer these two questions, right? One, why is it that people don't do what they say they're going to do for whatever reason? Two, why is it that people don't do what they know for whatever reason? I wanted to find the answer to the reason. The search for reason truly became my work, right? So I want you to think about something it is that maybe you have wanted to do. And yet, for whatever reason, haven't done it yet. You got it? Maybe it's wanting to lose weight or get healthy, right? Maybe it's wanting to save money, right? Or quit your job or ask for a promotion or start your own company or pursue your passions, right? Maybe you want to have a better relationship with your spouse. Maybe you want to stop yelling at your kids. Maybe you want to have this difficult conversation that swirls around and stuck in your contemplation. Regardless of where your result is different from your want, there is a reason. And I'm going to share with you that reason today and how to solve for it. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. The reason we do not have the result that we want in our life is because of our brain. I'm going to say this again. The reason, right, that we don't have what we want in our life is because of our brain because of thoughts in our head, because of the sentences between our ears. That's it. <laughs> Promise you it's enough, but that's it. It's not because of our job. It's not because of our luck. It's not because of our weight. It's not because of how much money we have. It's because of our thoughts. We have between 50 and 60,000 thoughts in any given day. 95% of those thoughts are based on unconscious programming, right? Programming from our past experiences, past hurts, past biases, past judgments, past relationships, past stories, right? So if it ever feels like you're living in Groundhog's Day, like living the same day over and over again, it's because you most likely are. If we're not thinking about what we're thinking about on the regular, your past will become your very predictable future. So how do we think about what we think about? 
My favorite way to do this and teach this is through the use of a framework that I learned from Brooke Castile at the Life Coaching School, right? I kind of take her work and the work of my favorite uh, researchers in the neuroscience space, uh, the Bruce Liptons, the Amit Goswamis, the Daniel Amons of the world. And I put kind of the best of them together in a framework to better understand our thoughts, how they impact our experiences, how they impact our relationships with other people and why they're so important to unpack. So when we think about this framework, right? I like to coach people around being really intentional about differentiating the situation and the circumstances in our life from our thoughts. We've been conditioned to believe for the most part, or at least haven't questioned it, that our thoughts aren't true necessarily, right? And I want to offer that although valid, they're not necessarily true, right? True would mean that they could be held up in a court of law. True would mean that everyone would agree, right? And we create so much suffering and we sabotage our goals and our commitments and our decisions and our relationships and our life because we haven't learned this skill. When we understand that the situations in our life are neutral, right? We have leverage over how it is that we decide to think about them, right? And I'm not suggesting that we always want to think about a situation in a way that makes us happy. Happiness isn't the goal, always. The goal is to understand that we are humans, and it is part of our humanness to experience the 50-50 of this life, the progression and the struggle. And, and people will challenge this 50-50. They'll try to outrun it. They will offer that this is not their experience, rather, that their life is more like 80-20. And to them, I offer lovingly, it's because they're not allowing themselves to feel, right? There are certain things that we don't want to be happy about, right? There are certain things that we want to be sad about, disappointed about even. There are certain things that we want to even be upset about. But what I believe is even better than happiness is finding the peace and acceptance of this reality and the freedom that it offers to choose how we want to think and how we want to feel. So many of us are still believing that our situation, right, is what is creating our suffering. And that's just not possible, right? My clients will share with me that their in-laws are driving them crazy or that their kids are frustrating, right? Or they'll tell me that their spouses are making them feel inadequate or that they don't feel appreciated, right? And when we try to solve this problem, we try to solve it by trying to fix the S, right? We try to fix our husband, trying to control and manipulate our kids. We try to fix our in-laws, right? And I don't know about you, but I haven't had much luck trying to fix my situations, right? 
But the situation is never the problem, which is the best news ever, my friends, because if the situation was the problem, we would have no power to solve it. And truly, the importance of this knowing must not be underestimated. Knowing this will literally change the way you see the world. It'll change the way you react in the world. It will change the way that you show up in the world. And it will change the way that you have a relationship with yourself and the world. So I want to bring this home just one more time. The only reason we feel is because of what it is that we're thinking. Consider this. If we were brain dead, right, we would attach zero meaning to the situation, meaning you would not think anything about your in-laws, your spouse, or your kids. The only reason we feel what we feel about that situation is because we have a thought about that situation, right? And I'm not saying that we wouldn't want to, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, right? Where we get into trouble is we believe that our thoughts are true. We believe that our thoughts are right, right? And it is human psyche. This is 101. Our brain wants us to be right. Our brain would rather us be right than get healthy. Our brain would rather us be right than feel better. Our brain would rather us be right than be connected. Right. So if we're not taking the time to question our stories, right, to determine what about them is true and what about them are just convictions and biases right in our head based off of our experience of the past, we suffer in sabotage. So if we want something different for our future, right? We have to look no further than the stories of the past, right, that you offer up as truth, right? So that's the first reason we sabotage, right? We sabotage because we believe that our situations and our circumstances dictate how it is that we show up in the world, right? And if this is true, then we will be at the mercy of everybody else's agency, our in-laws, our spouses, our kids, we will be the victim of our own life without freedom to create, to choose, and to contribute to our own life in our own way. The second way we sabotage is that we believe that we do what we know, right? And human behavior proves this to be wrong over and over and over again, right? If we did what we know, we would have done it already. Anything that you have ever wanted to do, whether it would be to lose weight or to get healthy or to save money or invest in the stock market, right? Cultivate better relationships, better habits and teams, right? I promise you, there is a book, there is a podcast, there is courses, there's a curriculum in order to do almost anything. You see, friends, it's not in knowing more. It's actually in doing what you know, right? So we have to understand why it is that we are not doing what we know. 
And as you might have guessed, the reason we're not doing what we know is because of our thinking. And as I mentioned earlier, our thinking creates our feelings, right? We have a thought and it creates a vibration in the body. It releases a chemical in the body and we feel whatever it is that we feel, right? And how we feel, right, fuels how we show up and what it is that we do and what it is that we don't. Willpower by definition, right, is doing something you what? You don't feel like doing. So it's really important to understand not only what it is that we think about, right, but how it is that that thinking creates that feeling and process our feelings through. If life truly is 50-50, if life truly is about struggle and progression, then we ought to cultivate, right, some more struggle tolerance, right? And I believe that the reason we sabotage more is because that we don't have that struggle tolerance, right? And our life is because we believe in some way that our life should have been different somehow, right? And that we shouldn't have to struggle, right? But when we embrace this and honor it, we are much less likely to quit. We are much less likely to give up. We are way more likely to persevere, to push through, and to prove our brain wrong, right? Let me give you an example um, that might help you kind of bring all of this to light for you. And I'm going to use the example of weight loss just because I do a lot of coaching around it. And even though you might be listening to this and weight loss has never necessarily been a goal for you, I'm sure you know someone, right, that has been on this weight loss journey, right? So most of us know what to do in order to lose weight, right? Losing weight is not hard, right? Losing weight for the most part is just math, right? It's calories in and calories out, right? There's 3,500 calories in a pound, right? You want to lose a pound a week, you have to either consume 500 calories less a day or move your body and expend, right, 500 calories more a day or some combination of the two, right? Now, this is weight loss, right, that I'm simplifying here, right? This isn't necessarily nutrition-based weight loss, but either way, this weight loss is math, right? And the reason why so many of us aren't doing this, right, in our action line, meaning we're not exercising 500 calories more a day, or we're not consuming 500 calories less a day, is not because, right, we don't know that we need to do it. It's because we don't have the proper emotion fueling it, right? So many clients that I work with as it relates to weight loss believe that it's not possible for them. They try to offer to me that they weigh too much, that they're overweight, that they are fat and lazy and unmotivated. And they tell me this as if those are all facts. <laughs> but the only fact, right, that goes in the model, right, is the amount of weight, of weight that they actually weigh, 
right? Right. The weight on the scale, that is the weight that goes in the S line, right? The situation, the amount of weight is, could be proven, right? In a court of law. It's just the gravitational pull on your body. That's it, right? Where we sabotage is in what we make that weight mean, right? We sabotage in our thinking about this weight, right? These thoughts, right? Like I'm overweight, I'm disgusting, I'm fat. I've never been able to lose weight before, right? Everything I've tried hasn't worked. And if we think about those thoughts, all of those thoughts create feelings of frustration, hopelessness, anger, angst, resentment, self-hate. And none of those feelings are the fuel that is required to take care of your body, right? To love yourself, to want to show up and move your body in a way that betters it, in a way that allows you to consume 500 calories less a day in order to better it, right? All of this self-hating isn't fueling your action to take care, right? Those emotions are not fueling your best and most empowering actions, right? So how many people do you know that have tried diet after diet after diet without success, right? Why are they not successful? It's not the diet, I promise you. If it, if it, if it were the diet, right? then I am guessing there is some efficacy around every single diet that you know about that proves that it has worked for someone, right? It's not the diet, it's the thoughts about your diet, okay? So remember when I offered you that we have about 50,000 thoughts a day and 95% of our unconscious conscious programming from our past, from our experiences, from our stories, our brain believes our stories. So when we tell our brain we can't, that we're not capable of losing weight, that we've never been able to lose weight, right? If we do that, right, then this becomes our weight loss story. And subsequently, the belief effect takes over. We believe this story to be true. And because of this, we feel hopeless and frustrated. Not exactly the best fuel to confidently commit to your goals, right? And the great news is that you are not your stories. You are not your default programming. You are the thinker of your thoughts. And when we don't hijack our thoughts and redirect them, right, then our beliefs will prove true. You have to be the boss of your brain, my friends, right? And I'm teaching you how to do that this month in Becoming. So if you're not in there with us, I I would love to have you in there, right? I want you to think about your stories differently. And we have stories about everything. We have stories about our money. We have stories about what it actually means to be successful. We have stories about our relationships. We have stories about every single one of our children, right? And I just want you to own and take command of those stories, right? If our thoughts aren't true, right, then they're all just make-believe anyway. You get to decide what your story is going to be about all of this, right? 
You can just decide, right? That you are capable of losing weight. You can just decide that you are capable of saving money and make that be your story, right? So I want to offer to you guys that this this reframing, this reorienting yourself to a new set of beliefs is the way to create the future of choice, not by staying same, right? Because as you know, if you don't hijack that that story, right, your past will become your very, very predictable future, right? I'm going to talk about feelings next week. I'm excited to break them down because Feelings aren't cute. They're not fluffy. They literally are the reason for everything that we do. I can't wait to see you guys next week. And if you liked this episode, would you do me a favor? Would you share it maybe with some of your very favorite people and maybe ask them to do the same? This movement requires our movement. This movement to become more by being more I truly believe that together, you and me, we can become more and inspire others to do the same. We can change the world one mindset at a time, starting with ourselves. Thanks for being with me. Have an amazing weekend, everyone. See you next Friday, same time, 11 Central, right? And if you want to learn more about what we're doing and take what you're hearing and learning on this podcast to the next level, check out our Becoming Group online at www.leahrolling.com forward slash becoming. This community needs you. Take care. You have been listening to the Becoming You show with me, your host, Leah Rowling, where I share big ideas to inspire, impact, and influence your life. Tune in every Friday at 11 Central on TransformationTalkRadio.com for your morning cup of coffee, the hug you never want to end, and that inspirational message that you felt was written just for you. Each show is inspiring you to become you with purpose and intention. For more information or to connect with me, visit www.LeahRolling.com.